Caution, learning in progress. All right, welcome back to Smarter Every Season. This is Paul Harms, and today we have Justin Kaufman. We're going to talk about extreme ownership. So it's a book by Jocko Willink, and... For me, like you and I have have always shared a love of books. Yes. Every every conversation between Justin and I usually either bookends one side or the other with what are you reading? That's right. And so we had the dealer insider this was this past year and we gave out a copy, a hard copy of Extreme Ownership to every dealer. Yeah. Why? Like Yeah. Tell us more on that story. Yeah. So you know that it's that's fun for me as I reflect on that cuz that wasn't my call. Um, I, I read extreme ownership a number of years ago and it really impacted me. I, I love leadership books, uh, business books, we're reading in a lot of different areas, but that it's one that stood out to me as, is pretty impactful. And so I gave it to, uh, for our sales leadership team said, Hey, this is a great book. I think there's some good stuff in here. You, you know, if you guys get a chance to give, give it a read a year later, that sales leadership team was working on the dealer insider meeting. And came to me and said, hey, we think extreme ownership, there's some good stuff in there. We want to give it to all the dealers. And I think, you know, can you kick it off, kind of talk about it a little bit, what, le- what led you to do that? So um, that's what led to us giving it to all the dealers, which was kind of cool for me because that's kind of the, the point of it, you know, is, is, is leadership isn't just about one person making a decision or that, but it's kind of passing that on and developing. And, and that's really was the scenario was, you know, I found out about it afterwards um, from our sales leadership team and that that's what they wanted to do and was, was all in thought. Great idea. Love, that's, love to get behind it. That's awesome. And, and to confess, so I've read it uh, a couple times now, just once in prep for this and uh, previously as well. Um, Tyler, who's also on with us is half Way through it? Halfway through. Halfway through. Yeah. And I, I, feel, I feel, so anybody who hasn't met Justin before, or even if you have met Justin, you're just not sure. Justin is the general manager here at Precision Planning. So this is episode one of Smarter Every Season. We went right to the top of the tree. Oh, I'm so excited about <laughs> right? book reviews and books and, and yeah, I'm just stoked. So I feel like I have to, <laughs> I feel like I have to defend myself just a little bit. Um, in that my wife and I are working through a book on, on raising boys mm. and I'm also working one through one for my Bible study. So I'm halfway through yes. and I feel like I got to defend myself in front of <laughs> the big dog here. Right. So, <laughs> um, so for anybody who's not aware of the book, um, if you guys had to give me a, a sentence or two, or for anybody who hasn't cracked the book open yet, um, what is the book about? Yeah. So from my standpoint, it's a, it's a couple of Navy SEALs talking about leadership. And, and that's the, you know, I I'm, don't have a military background, but I've always had great respect for the military and uh, the Navy SEALs, you know, achieve amazing things. A couple of a Navy SEALs said, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to write about leadership. And so it's kind of a book that has, you know, stories of application from, from war for them, uh, but then that's very translatable to, I think, all of us uh, in the business world. And, and that's really the idea behind it. Yeah, for me, reading through it, there's a couple points where they hit on. And I think the first example that Jocko shares is the blue on blue, which is the fratricide story and how there's the write up afterwards. And it's the risk of you know looking for the fall guy. And he's mm-hmm. he's the guy who was leading. And it was 
either he assigns the blame or he stands up and takes responsibility. And it seems like that was in reading yeah. it and kind of seeing him talk at, at uh, a TEDx uh, event, he comments a lot on that was kind of a, it feels like that was a pivotal point for him to realize, no, I can, I can, I can take the easier road and I can, I can dump the fault on this. But if I, if I do this right and I step up and I take responsibility and then the book follows on that, just the war within itself and then the, the combat basics and, um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what, what I've picked up on so far is, is I don't know if this is maybe a guy thing, but just the war stories are really cool. Yeah. Um, but it's called also this idea of like, Anything, so he, he touches on there are no bad teams, right? Only bad leaders. Mm-hmm. And that basically you own everything around that team, right? It, it kind of makes me think of um, no excuses, play like a champion, yeah. right? No excuses. You're not blaming other people. You own this. If, you're, if your team's not performing, how do you get better? How do you put them into a better situation to succeed? Am I, <laughs> am, am I reading that right so far? Am I feeling that kind of right? Yeah, he. Okay. I always felt that he took the they or he and Leif take the stance of you own your success and your failures, and if you the more you take ownership of it, the harder you'll drive to succeed. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think the powerful thing in that too that that has kind of uh, been my experience with it, but I think for all of us is you got to partly redefine leadership to fully internalize that, which leadership is not the person above you. Right. Because we all said, well, there's always there's always someone that has an authority over me that it's their fault. You know, that can keep going upwards if we let it, as opposed to leader being of, you know, as I define leadership of influence, leader equals influence. And so that's not positional necessarily because I'm the general manager doesn't mean I'm a good leader. I might be a bad leader. I've got to earn leadership. There are many people in our organization that are fantastic leaders. It has nothing to do with their positional leadership. And I think that's a really powerful part to internalize it. And, and having uh, watched some of the videos or, or further explanations from Jocko as he goes around and speaks, I think one of the things all of us has to start with is to say, start with this about you, not about others. Because that's our default as we get into that. And it's like, yeah, see, I knew, you know, it's their fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my whatever's fault, right? Uh, but, the, but the point is really to internalize that and say, each one of us has a mass amount of influence. If we want to grab it or not, if we want to grow into it or not, and really internalize that, and, and that's, that's the idea of extreme ownership. And you're using the word positional. Mm-hmm. That somewhat equates to authority or, you know, you have the the position of right. leader or, or manager or supervisor to where you can use authority or reprimand or consequences. Right. That's normally the way we think of a, a, a leadership or, or a yeah faults going up or down the chain of command. But it, your, your main point is we should not be following positional that's leadership. Right. Leadership comes right. across all levels. Don't, don't let that box us in. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership comes across all those uh, areas and it, it's not, um, it's not just tied into positional. Now, on the other side of that, I'd say, you know, there is accountability and responsibility based on position that you can't run away from either. That's not the point. But the point is about when influencing people to change, to grow, develop, do something new, uh, which is what leadership is. Leadership, you know, another way to say it, leadership's divine by followers. 
you, you can't yeah. lead if yeah. there's not followers. And so, um, you know, are there people following what you're doing, where you're headed, where you're trying to go? Um, is that within a job, within a, a current role um, in, the, in a company, in, you know, um, whatever you're working on? Uh, so, so that's, yeah, I think just a, a valuable way to look at that. Nice. So how do we, I don't mean the three of us sitting here, but our, our organization, Precision Planning, embody extreme ownership here? Yeah. So I think I would say we, um, and I, I would say we, and I, this isn't credit from me, I'm, I'm in this role and watching this have been the fabric of precision planting. Uh, we have an ownership mentality, I believe, within, within the business, which, um, you know, buzzwords like empowerment are used. But uh, the reality is, I think as a smaller business that started not that long ago, you kind of have this ownership mentality. Um, another great book, Founders Mentality, kind of unpacks this as businesses grow. That you know, it's it, you realize that hey, I'm if I'm spending money here, it's like it's my money. I'm I'm just taking this high level of ownership. That if I represent this wrong, if we're doing a training and it goes poorly, there's a that, that's not just, oh, that's the company's training that went bad. That was, that's a representation of me. I see that in each one of our employees. Um, Do you have a specific example? Something that's like, this one hit it out of the park. On? On just that you've witnessed within precision planning, seeing that extreme ownership, that, that personal responsibility. So uh, what we're doing right now, this podcast, <laughs> right? I, you guys asked me to come be a part of a podcast that, that was created by... Paul and Tyler and a team and that said, this is what we need to do. This wasn't um, an edict from the top. This wasn't part of, this was a, hey, here's, here's who we are, what we're trying to achieve. And all of a sudden, look what, what came out of it. That's, that's pretty cool. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm all blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I need to, maybe we should pat each other on the back later or we. Yeah. In six foot distance. So yeah. That's. That's fair enough. So yeah, we'll pat ourselves on the back. That's right. We'll do that. Exactly. So talk about extreme ownership and our response to coronavirus. Yeah. So one of the aspects of extreme ownership is kind of this idea of decentralizing command. And so the, you know, the, the strength of a team and having to give clear, hey, this is who we are, what we're about, this is what we're trying to achieve, but then letting people go do that. I look at, you know, the current situation we're in and it's been a, a very good reminder for me and I've, I've at times it's been very difficult I think about coronavirus and you think of there's a weight um, truly that I feel as an in our organization to make sure we're handling it appropriately we're keeping our people safe and that we're not re- overreacting and acting in fear or you know just working through that the reality is not even that if I would have the right answer which I wouldn't believe I would for every situation <laughs> yeah. with but Regardless of even if I thought I did, it would be impossible to have to be able to play that out in every scenario. So how should we handle this training? How should we handle this event? What about this meeting we're about to have? All of those questions. The only way we can function is through a decentralized command that says, hey, individuals are making those decisions and need to run. It doesn't need to go up the chain for approval every time and back down the chain. Organizations that get stuck in that, I think a, a crisis like COVID greatly slows down even further. I mean, the 
kind of that hierarchy and pushing decisions up as opposed to allowing people, giving them the right information, letting them run, letting them work, letting them make decisions and having to get that decentralized command out there so you're not always going back to a central office to get the answers in a situation that's very dynamic, that's changing all the time. We got to lay out some principles, lay out some ideas, and then let people make good decisions and trust them to do that. Um, you know, is, is one of the areas that, that just kind of stands out to me in the midst of COVID as to how extreme ownership has applied for our organization. And I can think back to the spring as you, as, as our leadership team, you guys mm-hmm. rolled out weekly conversations to the entire company. I immediately saw two pieces of that of that book come out of the the mm-hmm. decentralized command it was commander's intent and the the, the personal yeah. sign off that you know the intent you know mm-hmm. where we stand what our priorities are why we're focusing on those and if you have to make a decision you can align your decision with that we give you the grace and the and the, mm-hmm. the encouragement to go go after those because you've got the backing and you're going to make the right decision yeah so yeah. i've felt um like I like you guys have had our backs as we've had to make some of those yeah. calls, and we also know we've got enough information to make the right call. Yeah, and it's a difficult balance. I won't say we we do it right all the time, not by any stretch, but yeah, that's the intent. Yeah, do you almost feel like too with that that there's a level of just company wide transparency mm-hmm. that really leads to ownership? Like if if we can give everybody here kind of the why or the thinking behind something. Yeah, that's going to help them understand, and and everybody is pulling the same direction. Yeah. on that rope. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I I think transparency is critical. If you want people to take ownership, they got to know enough to be able to do that. I, I think a lot of times we can we hurt ourselves uh, with a lack of transparency, where um, an an employee that maybe works for us couldn't do anything more because they don't they don't they aren't given enough of the big picture. They aren't given enough of the context as to what we're really trying to do to even step into it. And, and so I think that that is a critical part that's got to be there. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, I think one of the things that I can envision, there's a lot of instances where amongst our, our dealer network, um, I see this mentality a lot. We have a lot of guys and gals out there that are very driven, um, that do take ownership that want to help, growers. I think one instance maybe where it's a little bit of a struggle is in how do we give that ownership mentality to those that we bring on, right? I, the dealer, embody extreme ownership, but mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get that 22-year-old kid that I I just hired to do more than just show up and punch the clock every day and and, and go home, right? Yeah. So for anybody that, that feels like, hey, I, I'm good at this or I, I love this mentality, but how do I communicate that to my employees? How do I get my whole dealership to buy into extreme ownership? Do you have any advice there? Yeah. I think, so Paul used the term earlier, commander's intent. I think that's a critical one um, that is, you know, the idea of from a, the military example, you know, there's there's a, a fort on the hill we're going to go take that fort. Now we're going to cross a river and we got to, you know, go over some rocks and we got to do all these different things to get there. And we're going to strategize and do all that. But at the end of the day, if I don't have, you know, I, you, what I want you to do, I don't know if it's a bridge or a boat that you need to build to get across the river. You're going to figure that out, but we're taking that fort. That's what we're doing. That's my commander's intent. That's what we're doing. 
everything needs to point back to that. I think that can be, if that's not there, an employee is is kind of coming to a river saying, I, I don't even know why I'm doing this. What what's going on? Um, and that that is a really critical piece uh, to lay out and giving them that bigger perspective or vision. There's another. This isn't from Extreme Ownership, but I think of um, you know another analogy that says there's there's three bricklayers working, and and you walk up to them and you ask the first one. They're all working right doing on the same wall doing the same stuff. Okay, and you ask the first one, hey hey what are you what are you doing? I'm laying I'm laying some brick. Walk up to the second one. Hey, what are you doing? I'm I'm building a wall. It's got a little more perspective, right? And they walk up to the third one. Hey, what are you doing? It's like, I'm building the largest cathedral ever. Which individual do you think is excited about their job? Right? <laughs> it's going to be the most, like, who's going to wake up excited? Like, That's I'm right. going to go build the Sistine Chapel thing. That's right. And so now the reality is all three of them are doing the exact same thing. But one of them has perspective of something bigger that they're a part of. And they wake up with Love a different it. level of excitement, a yeah. different level of ownership, you know, of what they're, what they're a part of. And we, if, you know, in those positional leadership roles or dealer principal roles, if we're not given some of that, you know, you, yeah, the, 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 the guy that's just shown up and saying, I'm, I'm laying bricks every day. That's, that's all I'm doing. They're part of something big, but if they might not know it, if you have, we haven't shared that with them, we haven't given them, you know, that picture. Yeah, and that can take place not just at precision planning or at a precision planning dealership. It could be the home farm operation where yep. this is our goal. We're going to, for the next 12 months, focus on yield, on reducing cost per acre. We're going to, as long as everyone knows, it informs their decisions. So when they go to town to get parts, are they getting the highest volume or the best right. quality? You know, it helps inform those decisions. That's right. Right. So. How about, is there anything specific you would break down in, in coaching the adoption uh, or, or dissemination of extreme ownership into different territories or different dealerships for uh, a private independent retailer, seed retailer, or private in, uh, grower versus uh, an OEM or a, uh, a large co-op. Does, does it take a different flavor in your mind of how it's applied, or do the large overarching brushstrokes take point? Yeah, I, th- I think the principles hold true. There's a uniqueness of application, probably depending upon the business model. Uh, but as a general, and and I think you know the larger businesses, this this plays out uh, in different ways. But you look at those of positional authority, positional leadership. I think to disseminate in an organization, it's critical that um, you know that that they lead first, that they embrace this. Like one of one of the aspects was is keep your ego in check. And so when the positional leader shows up and says, that was my fault every time, that's my fault, I messed it up, and starts leading that, pretty soon those working with that individual start to say, okay, I, I know I could do better. Um, I mean, he or she's taken that one for me. I kind of dropped the ball on that. But at the end of the day, I mean, the, the ego in check moment, I think this can be – really powerful is that there's always something I could have done different. There's always something I could have done different. Yeah. If I have a team member working with me that, and they totally missed it and you'd say, well, that was just their fault. They, somebody gave a training and it was all wrong. Yeah. But if I noticed that coming in, could I have spoke up? Could I have 
That's right. come alongside. And so what did I do? Why, why did I put that employee in that situation where they weren't equipped? Why did I not review content with them before so that they wouldn't have gone out there and given the wrong information? Why you, there's all these, th- there's, there's always something I could have done different. And once we flip that and just say, set your ego aside, what could you have done different every time? And you just start embracing that and playing that out. That's what I think it catches on in an organization, um, especially if someone that's in positional authority is the one modeling that. I think that's when it, it can get powerful. Very nice. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, on that note, do you feel like there's anywhere that we have opportunity within precision planning to better employ extreme ownership? Yeah. So, yes, uh, no question. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a good example or application of that. I, I feel like we we do we we do this well. I really do. Um, maybe that's the problem right there, um, because humility <laughs> is a critical part of it, right? Um, you know, I, I think truthfully, and that's probably where I w- I would go with it is, um, you know, that keeping your ego in check and humility as the underpinning. Um, is is a critical thing. I think at Precision, we've been very blessed to have had a lot of success and made a, a great impact. And a number of our dealers are the same, have have done that. And the risk of that is pretty soon you you can start to think you know it and that it's through your own strength that you've pulled that off and that we're not as open to learn and not and it's a little bit harder for me to set my ego to the side. Uh, because there's been a lot of success. And as I look at our organization, I think that's the the concern for, for all of uh, us as we continue to grow and have success is keeping that humility in there. Yeah, hunger and humility. Yeah. Keeping those two fueled or stamped out. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned at the very beginning that it was a book you had read earlier before you gave to the sales team, and it was something that had kind of stuck home or stuck with you. Yeah. What was the one piece that between the, when you first read it and when you brought it up to the sales leadership team and said repeatedly, you know, walk in the door at home, own something in a meeting here at work, own something at church, own something. What was the one piece that, that kept landing for you? Yeah. Um, keep your ego in check was probably the part that, that, idea and I'll say my kids helped me learn that one because they're so unimpressed <laughs> right um, <laughs> and that and it was great uh you know you you come home and they it didn't matter how great what I accomplished that day at work they just want me to show up as dad and um that w- whatever ego I thought I had and if I wasn't present with them it was a, a very real a real check uh for me that really brought it back into perspective. Along with that, I would say there was a moment with one of my sons that really was a great picture of there's always something you can do, and which is fun, too, when, you know, some nine-year-olds teach you something about what you're learning in leadership and, yeah. um, <laughs> as the general manager of a business. But it, it, it's like, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but it was during baseball. And so, you know, this is the young kids and they're they're still learning the game they're they're and I would help coach a little bit and we'd show up before the game and they start playing catch to warm up and they would start to you know how many can they catch in a row and you know keep it going and there was one group that just started really beating everybody and excelling at that and I kind of walk over and it's like hey 
what do you, what are you guys doing? How, what, what's your, what's your secret? You know, just kind of lighthearted. And, uh, one of the guys was like, Oh, you know, I realized every time I threw it right to his left side where the glove was, he could, he could catch it. You know, you think about nine year old boys. It's normally if the other guy didn't catch it, what happens? Oh, how did, why did you catch the ball? You know, I threw it right to you. Right. Um, but he realized that actually he could help the other, the other guy catch it by throwing it right at the glove so he didn't have to reach over and potentially drop it once he started doing that then what did the other what did the other kid do well he thought oh i see what's happening and he's throwing it to my glove i'm gonna throw it to his glove and i'm not gonna blame him i'm gonna like just internalize what can i do different to make him catch the ball i could throw it so that it's very catchable i'm gonna you know what i'm not gonna throw it as hard and i'm not you know and it just was like there's always something you can do and even in my mind it was no he's not doing it right you you go and want to correct this individual for how he's not catching the ball but they had internalized that they hadn't read the book they yeah. didn't think they didn't care about any of that right it was just more like <laughs> all right i'm tired of him dropping it yeah there's the nine-year-old mindset that's right just, and i love how we can interpret and we can't and learn from that and, and grow. And that was just, that really, that really registered for me. And just, yeah. I was like, wow, that was, a, he just took extreme ownership. I mean, and that was, and there's, there's just, there's always something you can do. That's the part for me that in every situation it's, yeah, I, I might have to go back three steps to figure out what it was that I could have done different, but there's always something I could do. Yeah. That constant need or drive to, to have done, to do better. And could I have done better yeah. in reflection? Yeah. And that's that kind of goes right along with um, it's the never-ending game, right? That's what we're continually trying mm-hmm. to do here, and that's that's reassuring because that's job security yeah. for all of us here. But I I think that's a big part of it mm-hmm. is even when we're successful, I think we're a company that um, we step back and think, okay, yes, that went well. How do we improve on that? That's right. How do we keep that momentum? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do better? Yes, yes, we hit a triple. We can have the home run. How how do we step back and still hit that home run? Um, yeah, yeah, and that that hunger is a really yeah key driver too. I yeah, think. absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree, Tyler. So um, I'm going to do my best to try and finish this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. For anyone who does read Extreme Ownership and enjoys it, I I know as Paul has kind of alluded to, you're a book lover. Um, any other recommendations that you feel like kind of go hand in hand with this, or you really like the messaging around uh, this particular book as yeah. well? Yeah. So I'll think back to, you know, when I, I gave this book to the sales leadership, I was one of three books, um, which, so Extreme Ownership was one. Uh, Drive was another one, which is about motivation by Dan Pink. It's a great book. It it's about good. how people think and what's what really motivates people. And and it's maybe not what we always think. And the other one I gave was Leaders Eat Last by uh, Simon Sinek. And I would say the only change I would make is I would put infinite game in that. And, and Leaders Eat Last is great. Um, and it's it's an idea of, you know, as the, the title says, I mean, basically servant leadership, which I think is critical um, as to how we approach our positional roles of leadership. But uh, Infinite Game is the latest, which I think is very powerful um, and, and goes along to give the right perspective and the context to how we should think about things. I think it does, to your point, uh, make extreme ownership um, a lot more palatable when you think of it from an infinite game standpoint. 
and understanding that. So I think it complements it very well. So those would be the ones I, w- I would think of. Now, an infinite game doesn't mean you never win. I, I think, yeah. I don't know. I almost kind of feel that way when somebody says it's an infinite game. It's like, ah, this is never going to end. Yeah. There's no winning and losing. Yeah, yeah. But I guess how, how do you... So there's finite games within infinite games. Okay. So there's winning that happens, right? And I'm a competitor. I love, you know, sports, and I, I love um, the idea of winning at things, too. I think the, the reality is, like, who wins at life? Who wins at business? You know, there are things that maybe the, there aren't agreed upon rules. There's not a clear set of competitors. You know, when you, you think of a, a football game, we've got clear rules, we've got a clear field, we've got a time, and at the end of that... We're going to say there's a winner, there's a loser. Well, in business, in life, you know, what, there's a lot of different definitions of what winning might be. That's, that's the idea behind Infinite Game. And when we truly internalize that in a business, uh, it's very freeing and very powerful, I think, as, as we look at that. So. Very nice. So there's three powerful ones. That's Daniel Pink, um, motiva- Drive, which is mm-hmm. about motivation, Extreme Ownership, Jocko Willink and Life Babin, and the last one you switched to yeah. Simon Sinek's latest book, The Infinite, Infinite Game. Yes. Yes. But there was an honorable mention in there, too. Yeah, Leaders Eat Last, which okay. is an earlier one. Yeah. And From what book Simon. are you reading right now? Uh, right now, I just got um, Demand Side Selling from Bob Moesta, who I've met Bob. Um, he is uh, kind of comes from Clayton Christensen, Innovator's Dilemma. Um, you know, he's a. Edward Deming actually um, coached him up, and he's I've, I've heard him speak. He's really um, a, a very unique product innovator and uh, just released uh, here a few days ago, actually, his, his book on demand-side selling. Okay. And so I'm uh, just cracking that one open. Nice. Yeah. Let me just go around the board then. Tyler, as, as one who's in the middle balancing new kids and, and activities at home and everything, not all the way through the brook. What's the takeaway from the conversation that you pick up on? Yeah, I think it was kind of funny what you brought up earlier about kids. Um, I, the, the ego piece is one that I really struggle with too. And it's funny because I don't struggle with it so much at work. Mm-hmm. I know that I have positionally – people that I work with that are above me. But at home, there's just such a a desire or a conception that I, as the dad, I, as the husband, have to be the head of the house, right? Mm -hmm. And I have to make the right calls, and I have to know how to discipline the kids. And I don't. That's right. (laughs) right. Um, So I I think that's a struggle for me sometimes is to to just step back and, candidly, if I lose my temper, if, Mm -hmm. if I don't, make the right decision, disciplining my, my two-year-old, if we don't make the right decision with our finances, to step back and say, you know what, that we're going to learn from this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this a little bit differently next time. If, that, candidly, there are some times where I have to tell my wife, I'm sorry, I should have listened to you a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think that one has resonated with me a lot so far, and it's kind of echoing what you said, yeah, um, uh, Justin, but that that I think as a guy is is a very hard thing to swallow sometimes, yeah. Um, on the flip side of that too, and I wanted to comment um, the the beautiful thing that I'm finding with kids sometimes too is when you have a good day, 
they don't care about that either. Or sorry, a bad day, they don't care about that either. So like if I really struggle and feel like I'm spinning my tires here at work, I go home and my two-year-old just wants to play cars with dad. Yeah. And it's like I get to really step in and 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 be the hero, and that's a really, that's a really cool feeling that's right. too. Yeah, that is cool. So we've picked your brain a lot. Do you want to try and capture anything, any one essence or moment or learning off to our listeners? So you're saying for me, or yes. is I going to get to ask you questions? No, well, you, you are free to ask us any questions <laughs> you want. Uh, feel free, fire away. Well, I, I was I was going to ask, so um, I I would love to hear your guys's perspective of as you read extreme ownership, or you think about that. How what do you see reflected in our organization with from within that book? Uh, I can I can take lead on this one, Tyler. I'll give you a little break. So, okay. for me, the ego one didn't land as much. Mm-hmm. I felt cover and move and decentralized command were the two. Um, so the book itself is broken into three larger sections. There's a there's a a war within, and it's and it's a lot of what Justin and that's the the first four chapters of the book, and it's all talking about getting your head in the right space, making sure you understand you first before you attack the problem or the mission. The whole second, um, or the the middle third of the book is all about the laws of combat, which is cover and move, keep things simple, prioritize prioritize and execute and decentralized command and that cover and move prioritize and execute those two i seem to see a lot of because we know the the commander's intent i see a lot of the team immediately saying okay tyler swamped all right here let me take this one that doesn't require you you are the only one that can do point a so let me take points b and c i'll move the ball i can't get them over the finish line but i can move them five yards yeah and, and that allows him the freedom to go. And we both know which one's priority, so we can take that and we can execute. And I, for me, that's been the one that I see inherent among the team and how we mesh together, not just our department, but I think of team as the entire precision planning team, from the guy packing the boxes in Morton to uh, you mm-hmm. striking deals uh, mm-hmm. with, with our, our OEM partners. Um, it's, it's the whole team. Yeah. I think I think in with that decentralized command too is kind of just the amount of trust that we get mm-hmm. to carry out um, you know different things that we're interested in or or want to do, and so I I get myself into kind of a rut sometimes because if I if I don't feel like I did something as well as I could have mm-hmm. or I didn't get something done, I want to kind of defend that, and I feel like I have to almost give excuses to say well I didn't get this done because A B C, and when I feel like I'm in that mode. I feel like a lot of our leadership here is not concerned so much about that. It's very much not that they're we're graded, but it's very much about, okay, how can I help? What do you need to do or what do you need from me so that I can help you accomplish those things? And so that's very refreshing because it's just a, it's, it's trust, right? It's yeah. okay. I know you're busy. What do you need from me? Um, that I trust you on this particular task. I know you're busy. I know that you're coming across some hardship. So let me be a part of it. How do I help? And I think that's a really, I, that's what I really enjoy here is, is just the feeling of, of being trusted and that I can be autonomous and go out and carry out the mission mm-hmm. without having to be micromanaged. Yeah. yeah. The flip side, cool. yeah. An- another tie on to that is I noticed this here versus other places I've worked. 
anytime someone comes with a problem, whether it's to a peer or to a supervisor or to their leader, there's always a, here's the roadblock we hit. Here's the three ways we can clear it. And here's the way I want to use. And here's why there's, it's never just a, there's a roadblock. We can't do this. We're stuck. Turn, turn the trucks around. We're going home. There's a roadblock. It's never that. It's always a, well, we can blast it, we can bulldoze it, or we can go around it. Yeah. And we're going to go around it because we don't want to spend the money on bulldozing. There's always the thought process. It's worked out, and it's more of a, am I making the right decision? Is there anything I'm missing Mm -hmm. that you, who've got maybe more experience, can can safeguard me from? Otherwise, yeah, I'm going to need these resources. Let's go. Yeah. I also think that we're very much trusted that when we go to somebody and say, here's the roadblock, I can do one, two, three, I want to do number two, um, that leadership basically says, okay, you know, I trust your decision. You have thought through this, um, go and execute, Yeah. right? And that's really important too, because it's it's not then, it doesn't feel like a dictation where, mm, you know what, actually, I'm going to have you guys do number one, where then you're going and carrying out somebody else's vision. Um, again, it goes back to that level of trust of, um, I see what you're up against. I see you've thought through it. I see what you're passionate about. Go ahead and go execute. Yeah. Yeah. That's really refreshing. Yeah. Awesome. Justin, any closing thoughts? There's always something you can do. There's always something you can do. That's the takeaway. I mean, to me, extreme ownership, um, you guys captured doing hard things too. That's another mantra we use around here, right? I uh, did not. We didn't have not covered that but, in this episode. Yeah, yet. but but I mean, you just said it without calling it that, though, right? As you guys talk about it. But um, no, I mean, the, the end of the day, I think that it, when we internalize that, and it's it's not a burden that's actually freeing, right? I think sometimes we can take that on as like now the weight of the world's on my shoulders. I there's always something I could have done, so it's always my fault. Nah, that's not it. That's not it. You got We've got to have a freedom in that, but it's actually a. Free, we're not a victim to it, and that's that's the freedom that, that you really get. Um, and there's always something you can do. That is a perfect spot to to cap this episode. So, I want to, on behalf of Tyler, Hans, Nolan, myself, thank you for joining us. This is an awesome beginning to our podcast. Uh, please, again, if you haven't yet, find a Google Play. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, subscribe if you can. Uh, we would love to have you back. I believe next week we are working on some YieldSense information with Will, and I believe Hans is going to give us some great breakdown there. So we look forward to having you back, and thank you for joining us.